Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Cloud ERP podcast. This special edition podcast is brought to you in partnership with the Let's Talk Data podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Frank McGorry. Today, my guest is David Costar, Chief Information Officer at Wolfspeed. David and I are going to have a discussion about how Wolfspeed's IT and business teams are working hand in glove to re-engineer virtually every one of their business processes to set this global organization up for future growth. Let's get rolling on this episode. I'm really looking forward to hearing about the partnership David and his team are building. Welcome, David. Hey, Jen. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for joining uh, this time. All right. So they wanted to tell us a little bit about Wolfspeed. And, and then as you're talking about that, tell us a little bit about you. Sure. So uh, Wolfspeed, North America-based uh, global semiconductor manufacturing powerhouse, uh, publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, specializing in silicon carbide-based materials and devices. We're one of the few vertically integrated semiconductor companies in the world uh, specializing in silicon carbide. A lot of our applications range from uh, industrial applications to electric vehicle, power inverters to um, aerospace defense, communications infrastructure, and uh, we're experiencing pretty dramatic growth right now. So it's an exciting time to be in the, in the industry. A little bit about myself. I've spent uh, actually the last two years here at Wolfspeed as CIO, but I've been with the company for five years. Uh, I would tell you I'm I'm a little bit different than the normal pedigree a CIO has. Um, I, uh, of my 25 plus year career, over 20 of it was spent in HR, but on the business side of HR, HR strategy, HR operations, HR technology and service delivery uh, in both industries, software, uh, and consulting, um, and got into the IT space uh, here at Wolfspeed is somewhat of an unplanned but natural extension of the corporate transformation work we had started about three years ago to focus on uh, what operational changes we were going to need to make to be ready for the scale and the growth that we were anticipating three years ago and now are living through today. Wow, well, coming from HR, I, I, I don't think I had re- I don't think I had heard that when we were preparing. So. That's a great and very unique um, journey into being a CIO. So you must provide so many different avenues to be able to see things through different lenses, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, you know, um, a lot of the reason why we decided uh, for the move to happen, if you will, is it was clear for us to achieve what our operational objectives were and what we called our functional transformation that even though our initial focus was business um, processes, business operating models, business structures, it became very obvious that in order to be successful for that, we had to have the digital capabilities to scale with the operating model changes that we were transforming. Uh, And um, in order to do that, uh, I'd like to think some of the reasons I I was given the opportunity um, is to bring the business focus to IT. It was very important to us to make sure that we had a direct linkage between the consumers of the IT uh, services, uh, which I was a a customer of IT, and the practitioners within IT delivering a service to the business um, on a partnership basis. So it's really been helpful. Uh, In the last two years, we've been now transforming IT uh, along with the business uh, and making sure that we we bring a business first mindset and how we're structured and how we deliver service. And driving right into that point, what were you in the business looking to achieve when you 
chose to move to this new digital core? Yeah, scale, you know, very simply put scale um, is a company we had been in, I would say rapid growth startup mode for 30 years. Uh, and um, while our, uh, our company has achieved tremendous success, primarily uh, in some other industries um, before WolfSpeed became our, our focus, we needed to do um, quite a bit of work to modernize our technology to drive greater efficiency uh, in how we conducted day-to-day -day business process um, execution and transactions and how we planned for the growth and what it was going to take to, to support a two, three, five X growth over a very short period of time. We really um, understood that for us, it was, it was much more of a matter of a complete modernization of how we did business and what tools we used to execute that business, um, more so than an upgrade of a system. You know, a lot of the folks on the phone call it um, technical debt. We had a lot of it uh, and we consciously made the decision to start anew um, with a new platform that would serve as our foundation to build all of our other supporting capabilities on top of or around. Um, and going with SAP S4HANA wasn't the clear choice for us. And I like what we talked about uh, during one of our prep sessions about breaking out of that single point of failure for all yeah. supporting technology. That's yeah. something that really stuck with me. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, again, over that 30 plus year evolution, a lot of our applications uh, were homegrown. Uh, we have a whole bunch of really smart engineers in this company. And in many cases, while we invented technology and we invented how we grow our material that ultimately become devices, we also had some, some of those same really smart engineers create their own applications for, um, for a very specific purpose 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago. Uh, and those single points of failure of, you know, kind of the reliance on tribal knowledge, if you will, while it works, we're very dependent on certain individuals never taking vacation um, sure. or never even contemplating playing the lottery. Um, and then for the commercial applications that we had within our environment, it, it's not as though there were single points of failure, which there certainly are and more. It was the degree of customization that was built over years and years of, of evolutions of our business um, and maybe not as much maturity as um, we would have liked in terms of governing and managing um, those customizations and even knowing what they were based on at the time. So, you know, the way we've approached it is um, we knew we had to do a, a complete re-engineering of how our business ran. Um, so that we could benefit from technology and we could benefit from the scale that we knew we were ultimately going to get to. So speaking and kind of on that same vein and, and, and talking about what, where you came from, as you were driving into S4HANA, how, did, how was the business case process? Did you have any trouble gaining executive buy-in to actually get this thing off the ground? Short answer is no, this was a situation and, and, um, not my first transformation where a large system change was, was part of it. Our business case um, was, was fairly unique and, and, and unique to any time I've experienced this in the past. Um, we didn't have the benefit of multiple ERPs that we simply just wanted to consolidate and drive business value by doing so. Um, our business case clearly was based on um, 
the need for scale um, and the need for rapid expansion um, and alternative sourcing models um, and alternative tools than what we had today. Our scale strategy historically was, we'll just add more people. This time we realized that wasn't gonna be enough, nor was it the right uh, way to build uh, over time. So um, getting the buy-in from leadership was, um, was fortunately not as difficult. And um, it, was, it was really more how we approached working with the business throughout the early stages of the process. Um, it was very important to me and to us for our implementation and really our entire digital transformation to not be seen or driven as an IT project. It is a business supporting technology that the business was gonna conduct their operations on. IT was simply a partner of theirs to, to help evaluate, help facilitate the development and implementation and then support once we go live. So. We really, uh, this was one of the commitments we made in the very beginning is to do this right, we had to have side-by-side -side partnership with all of the business stakeholders as well as IT. And that, that started even when we began to evaluate technology itself. Um, we, we looked at the um, existing uh, solution and their latest platform, and we looked at SAP. And we had over 40 people in part of that uh, evaluation process, most of which came from uh, our shared service groups, our manufacturing teams, our R&D teams, because they were going to be the users and, and ultimately the, the functional owners of the system um, and IT. And having gone through that partnership throughout, I think really helped us um, drive awareness. Now, don't get me wrong, there's still some times that you know, it's a little bit more on the IT side or a little bit more on the on the on the functional side. But I think it helped um, generate a sense of ownership from the beginning. And at times where it's gotten um, maybe stressful or very challenging, we've had to adapt uh, throughout the implementation. Uh, we were able to do so with uh, with good collaboration with the business stakeholders themselves. Um, we also took the same approach in determining our system integrator partner. Um, you know, again, we wanted to be sure that both uh, the functional teams, the engineering teams, and the IT teams um, all had a chance to evaluate, uh, score, and ultimately decide on who we partnered with and what technology we, we went with. You really do have that hand-in-glove um, partnership with the business, and that is so key, I feel like, especially as you're driving into uh, the testing cycles I believe you're in right now. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, so we're in uh, our third week of user acceptance testing um, and um, four and a half to go. Uh, but yes, um, it, it's been a really good um, partnership uh, for anyone who's gone through this or anyone who's thinking about going through something uh, as large scale is, is implementing um, any large solution. It hasn't been without challenges. It hasn't been without you know, changes in, in our in our implementation team model. Um, it hasn't, you know, we, we've had to really emphasize the importance of communication and information sharing and decision sharing. And, oh, by the way, during it, doing COVID um, would, would not be recommended. That That's certainly been a wrinkle that we hadn't planned on. Um, but for the most part, yes, I think there's good collaboration that happens um, between our work stream leads who have done a phenomenal job um, and, and dedicating 
uh, a lot of time and energy and, and all of our business process re-engineering and then throughout uh, the testing cycle. Let's switch gears for a minute. And I, I think I applaud you and your team's efforts to really bring that the synchronizing both IT and business together, obviously not without some bumps in the road, but that's normal, right? Talk to yeah. me about how you're affecting your your business processes uh, with SAPS for Honda Cloud. Yeah, so I thought you might ask that, Jen. So I have a few stats um, <laughs> oh, that I'm going to look down because I don't want to misstate, and I'm surprising you with that, by the way, right now. So sorry. Oh yeah, you are. Um, that's a good surprise. Thanks. But but <laughs> you know, I would start by saying it goes back to um, guiding principles we established before we began the implementation. We really wanted to be sure that we did not make the very easy mistake of just lifting and shifting our existing practices and, and configuring SAP S4HANA to, to meet those needs. We really understood and were committed to the importance of re-engineering our processes to align with what SAP had already established as its base standard. Um, and that was one of the appeals for us in, in selecting SAP is the model company standard for semiconductor was really important to us. We trusted that the due diligence by all of SAP's existing customers would be something we could and should benefit from. Um, so when we went through all of our design, uh, we ultimately ended up re-engineering uh, all of our business processes to meet at least 90% of the model company standard processes that were, you know, out of the box, if you will. And I know that's a really, you know, not correct term, but, um, and, <laughs> and, 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 we'll yeah, and, the, and that's forced us to, to, it forced us to rethink how we executed transactions on a tactical basis and forced us to rethink how we modeled ourselves from a strategic basis. Um, some stats, so um, eight different work streams um, that uh, we formed to be cross-functional work streams, everything from uh, procure to pay, forecast to stock, order to cash, you know, but then specialist work streams as well, like procurement, like enterprise warehouse management, like um, master data governance. Uh, we've integrated 37 applications into and or out of SAP S4HANA. Um, we have 300, 57, almost 400 test scripts that we've been executing. We've had three testing cycles leading up to UAT, uh, almost 400 SOX controls, and 79 security roles. Now, maybe that's too many, but we really were exhaustive in the scope that we applied. Um, and, um, you know, right now, based on, on what we're seeing, we're feeling like we're, we're in pretty good shape for, uh, for a, a quiet go live. That's the goal. Quickly, let's let's not switch gears, but on the same vein in the business processes yeah. and your people and your users, when it when you do go live, how are you driving through this organizational change management process? What you yeah. know, what what are your plans or or what have you already implemented that maybe you're gonna walk back or evolve as you get ready to go live? Yeah, so um OCM is a, it's kind of a tricky area. Um, we, the approach we took, uh, time will tell if it was the right approach or not, but the approach we took is, is I would say kind of a two or three step approach. Um, the first approach was, was what we talked about earlier, Jen, of the business leader partnership. We, we did not want to overwhelm the broader user base with a ton of information 18 months ago that 
really just wanted to apply until we got closer to go live. So we invested our OCM energy really strictly towards making sure that we had a recurring um, cadence of communication, of information sharing with the core program team participants, business stakeholders, IT, SI, SAP. You know, I think that that helped us keep a focus on getting through design, getting through build, you know, getting to testing. Now that we're um, in early days of UAT, we are we are starting to expand the the distribution list, if you will, of of information and communication and ultimately training um, that will slowly pick up as we inch towards the end of July of this year, which is our our first big release. You know, another way we we've approached it is, um, and this is going to be much more relevant in the coming weeks and months, is to try to make sure we focus on what are the what are the core personas of a typical user, right? You know, we have a whole lot of requisitioners that might go in to the the solution a few times a year. Well, that's a very different type of change management than those that are living in it every day from you know from a from a supply chain or from a finance standpoint, um, because you know those those team members are going to have significant change in what they're very accustomed to doing on a day-to-day basis. So the way we've approached that is we really viewed testing and now training as a hands-on exercise and not a classroom-only exercise. So we're taking a you know kind of a, a mixed, uh, blended approach of general communication. Um, you know, of course, we have all the typical stuff on the internet and you know standard email communications that have been sent out. Things that are very normal. Um, we've we've leveraged enable now to make sure that we have. Um, small training um, videos that are three, five minutes long on specific transactions um, that are going to be available. Uh, we we believe that's going to be a very powerful tool. Uh, and then now that we're getting into UAT and we're expanding that group, we want them to get hands-on experience um, so that by the time we get into training, um, you know, it, it it's not the first time uh, our users are experiencing it. Um, we also, you know, I'd say the the approach we also took was to try to um, use human speak, uh, to try to be very normal in how we Jargon convey information, jargon-free. Um, you know, okay. we, we, we've tried to keep the message um, straightforward and simple, um, and we've tried to be as um, clear as we can in what we're communicating so that our internal customers don't have to spend time translating what the real message was. Um, and that's that's also part of our culture. That's what works for us is straight talk. Um, so we try to take that approach as well. I like it. And I also like that video piece, you know, in this world where we're always flipping through different social media pieces and we're jumping on a video to get quick information. I think that that's a really great strategy. Uh, Absolutely. To, to Let's jump over to technology for just a minute. So in sure. today's flexible, rapidly changing business environment that we've all lived through uh, in overdrive over the last 24 months, how yeah. are you approaching with how are you approaching this cloud-based technology? Yeah, so um, like many companies, um, depending on who you talk to, depending on what level of leadership or what level of the company, cloud means something different to everybody. We knew three years ago, again going back to our transformation, that it was all about scale, um, and and scale included how how were we going to um, 
get the most out of our, our on-premise versus where did we need to leverage cloud capabilities more or differently than we were doing three years ago and frankly even are doing today. And, and you know, it, it, again, the typical, typical thing, storage, compute, applications, right? So we started down um, the application path um, with our HR system, um, and that was really the first true cloud solution that was enterprise-wide. But we, we, we consciously made a cloud-first commitment, not fully knowing three years ago exactly what that meant or what it was going to include, um, but That's we knew fair. that in order to benefit from technology that was out in the marketplace today and to have the scale from an operational support standpoint, um, we, we wanted to move towards the cloud from an enterprise perspective. Since then, we have established, a, 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 I would say, a hybrid cloud strategy. Now, because of the type of manufacturing we do, we have a lot of IP-sensitive um, areas that we've got to be a little bit more careful on. Um, and, and frankly, Jen, we're, we're still kind of navigating our way through what, what our true cloud model looks like. And, you know, I, I suspect it, it's, it's more of a living strategy than a, than a static one. Um, you know, we know that SAP is for HANA, you know, that is a huge step for us towards running the enterprise on a cloud-based solution. And we fully expect to, to, to reap benefits of that for years to come. Um, you know, a number of our business applications um, are following suit, um, but now we're starting to tackle harder things like, you know, do we need data centers in every manufacturing facility? Um, or if we do, does the architecture need to, need to reflect our current architecture? Um, you know, do we go with multiple hyperscalers versus, you know, versus one uh, where, you know, we're chin deep in those discussions now, it, it, as well as a lot of it too is educating your board, educating senior executives who, you know, may not get all of the detail in reading an article or, or listening, you know, to a conference. So it's all of the above, I would say, Jen, I know I kind of rambled on that one, but it's a, it's a complex topic. Sure, sure. Well, thanks for your insight. I, I appreciate that. Talk to me about lessons learned so far. So if you had this project to start all over again, what would you recommend to your former self? Don't do it in a pandemic. Uh, that's the easiest <laughs> one. <laughs> so I think we all can say that about a lot of things. Um, I, think we got, I think we got a giggle out there. I can hear yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're good there. Um, I would, uh, a few things come to mind. Um, you know, and again, looking back, I'll be strategic and tactical. Strategically, I'm actually really proud of the approach we took in partnering with the business from the beginning. And, and that was lessons learned applied from past experiences. Sure. Um, you know, we, we, we had demand internally to, to, to make a significant investment and change. Um, so that helped, but um, I cannot under, I can't emphasize enough the importance of making sure the the leadership and the, the the subject matter experts that really know how the company runs on a day-to-day -day basis outside of systems are part of the entire process. And if you do not get that, it is going to be a struggle. Um, and also, if, if and when something goes wrong, either during the implementation or after, it's very easy to blame IT or it's very easy to blame the PMO or blame the SI. Um, there needs to be as many fingerprints on the solution as possible. And, I, and I'm really proud of that. You know, another lesson learned is 
working with your system integrator and evaluating the system integrators, don't rush that process. Um, all of them are tremendous organizations who present themselves very well. But make sure you evaluate the delivery team, not the sales team. Um, that is very important. Um, really great, really great insight. It, it's, it's very important. And, and I'll tell you, there's a heck of a lot of SIs out there that claim to be SAP something or other. You know, be thorough in your evaluation and take your time. And then, um, you know, approaching it as a functional project, not a technology project, it, it's equally important to have subject matter experts from the business that are part of the, the, the build and the design all the way through. But also it's important your SIs have the functional expertise, not just the SAP technical build capability. Um, make sure you get a, a, a team that has practitioners who have lived with what gets implemented um, in previous lives and can bring practical hands-on knowledge you know, that is above and beyond, you know, either academic, theoretical, or technology implementation only perspective. Um, and then finally, know what you're gonna measure. Um, you know, when you start a project, already have your, 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 your guiding principles established, your governance model established, that's common. But, you know, is your program leader, is your CIO, what are you gonna base the success criteria of the project on throughout the two or three years it takes? Um, what metrics are you going to want to look at with the steering committee on a monthly or a quarterly basis? Have those established up front uh, and make sure that you're consistent and monitoring that. We relate to the game on that in our implementation. We've got a really good set of metrics that we're measuring our performance against now and have been for about six months. Um, but if you don't do it up front, it's really hard to, to kind of retrofit. So I would say that's a big one as well. That's great, and and, and obviously, what what was coming to mind when you were talking about that is measure twice, cut once, if you will, with yeah. respect to, and it sounds like you cut, you measure twice, and that was great. You had that yeah. opportunity to to re, redirect and write the KPI uh, components yeah. of your program so that you are on a good track now to measure the success. So yep. speaking of that, so what's next for Wolfspeed besides the obvious, right? <laughs> well. <laughs> Uh, well, um, it's like I said, it's a really exciting time um, to, to, to be in this company. The, the growth, the, the, the direction of, of you know, a green economy technology, which is really what, what we're in the middle of, um, is, is, is really cool. Um, but it's also, you know, it, it, it involves a lot of um, innovation. It involves a lot of transformation. You know, you know that, that's a big step towards us realizing uh, a very large transformation journey we started over three years ago. Um, and I think it, it, it'll be wind in the sail of a lot of people who have just been um, exhaustively working um, on this. They'll finally start reaping the benefits of, of that investment they've made. Um, and then from there, that gives us also the catalyst to, to begin the other part of our transformation, that's consolidating applications, right? We, we have made a, a very firm commitment to having a core stack of commercial applications that our company was gonna run on. Um, and, and as we start to bring those into production, the onus is on us to carry it through and to start to decommission those one-off applications that have single points of failure 
and one person who knows how they were written and and you know where the source code source code was and start to pull that operational activity into our core stack and that's a very difficult um, effort in and of itself we're preparing for that but you know going live is a, is a big catalyst to that and then from there we settle into you know our regular release um, cycle approach um, you know moving away from you know a reactive customized model moving more towards a, a disciplined mature operational organization that's not just leveraging capabilities from SAP but also helping the business enable more automation, enable more efficiency um, by leveraging those solutions. Um, and then from there, uh, we have a lot of growth to do. So, you know, supporting the, the the capacity expansion and other strategic initiatives we have. Thank you, David. WolfSpeed is truly on a great path to digitally transforming and becoming an intelligent enterprise. We're going to have to have you back because it sounds like there's going to be several chapters to this to this story that we probably want to hear more about. So I really appreciate your vision, the mission, and your projected growth for WolfSpeed. And I have to say, you sound like you're a little bit of a disruptive CIO. If I had to, if I had to. Yeah, you. it's I, uh, <laughs> I, I. I was given this opportunity as a reason, and um, you know, we we're a company that likes to disrupt industries, and uh, I, I guess I've disrupted a lot of a lot of ways we do things here. But um, it's it's been a great experience so far, and. I hope there are more chapters. Oh, well, well, we'll definitely be staying in touch. So thank you, David. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Let's Talk Cloud ERP. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to continue in a smaller, more interactive session, I would like to invite you to sign up for a value exploration workshop. This two and a half hour interactive call to action session curated for both IT and business leaders will enable you to interact directly with SAP S4HANA through our SAP S4HANA ERP simulation game. The simulation game will demonstrate how you can have greater control of your business processes by having members of your team from across business functions such as finance, sales, marketing, and procurement work together to showcase the true power of SAP S4HANA. The really cool thing about this game is you get the chance to compete and show your team's full profitability potential against other teams. Check out the show notes to learn more about the Value Exploration Workshop and upcoming dates. Finally, I would like to thank the Let's Talk Data podcast for their partnership. We couldn't do what we do without them. Until next time, I am Jennifer Frank McGrory. Have a great rest of your day.